0: just want to acknowledge the presence of God here with us this morning. Jesus, I thank you so much for being here and visiting us. I'm convinced that you are here. I know you are here. And I just thank you for the way that you have journeyed with us as a church, as a congregation, as people, as individuals, as children, as elders, that you journey, that you take us and hold us in your righteous right hand, and I just thank you for that, and I thank you for being willing to be here with us this morning. We just commit this time and we just want to continue in a spirit and heart of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. As we were standing up here singing, I was just, my my mind was taken back to um, last week when Sherry and I watched our our wedding video. It was something we like to do. um, I don't know if we do it every anniversary. We like to watch our, our wedding video. And, you know, you're just kind of on the verge of, of being, uh, you know, weepy as you remember the time seeing your bride come down the aisle and, and, and seeing all the events unfold. And and then, and then we go into the worship time for the ceremony. And I just remember the camera angle coming back to this um, to the one that was up in the balcony, and you could see, see everybody there singing and, and worshiping, and I was able to pick out some people in the in the crowd, and and I and I looked and I noticed uh, Brendan was just there with both hands in the air, just praising God, and I just I just lost it. It was in that moment that I just felt like I got to see a glimpse of what God sees from just kind of that that up angle, looking down at his people, worshiping him, coming together, honoring him through song with their heart. And I guess I I just want to throw that out as an encouragement. I was blessed by seeing Brendan... Just throwing his hands up. But just, just remember, it's never shameful to do that. There is no shame. I know sometimes it's just like, oh, is it prideful to you know, lift up our hands when we, is, do people look around at us? I just, When we come into the presence of worship, let's focus on him. Let's focus on who he is. And I just think there's something that connects us to him when we feel those urges to throw our hands up and say, Lord, let me just worship you. Don't fight those urges and don't be ashamed of that because there's something that God sees. And I just kind of had that picture again as we were up here singing that God was seeing what was happening here and he was honored and he was glorified. I don't know, have any of you, I know you guys seems like you try to avoid Newark, um, for the most part. But have any of you ever been down by the square? You know, what I talk about the square, where the, yeah. Um, You've been down there, and they've done quite a bit of work there, recently. Um, Have any of you walked it? Have you just, like, walked, or are you always, like, got to get through here, got to get out of here, got to do my business, got to do whatever... Um, I didn't see as many hands go up. Um, and that's just kind of typical of the way it is. You know, we usually just kind of try to go from point A to point B. And the best mode of transportation we have is a car. So we're usually just driving away. But one time, I, I forget when it was, that I took my family and we went and we walked around the square. And I was just kind of blown away. I was like, wait, what's this store doing here? Or... What's this, you know, thing doing along the sidewalk or, or what? Like all of a sudden your perspective changes because you're not just trying to drive through. You're not just trying to get from point A to point B, but your perspective changes when you walk. And, and you guys may even experience that even in the country. I don't know if you take walks down your road or whatever. That all of a sudden when you walk, your perspective changes. You notice things that you wouldn't no- normally notice when you're just driving trying to get from there to here. And and, and, and I guess one of the, the things that I want to pull out with that is this is kind of the perspective that we're going into somewhat with, with communion this evening. It's not like we're trying to put these tables down and say, okay, we've got to get back to the biblical way of doing things. We've got to try to, you know, w- you know whatever. I, I, it's not about that at all. It's about... Taking kind of maybe a perspective of the way that we've done communion, and you can kind of get in this mode where you're just kind of cruising a little bit. You're, you're kind of, we've done the kind of the, the normal format over and over again. And this is just an opportunity to say, hey, you know what, let's get out the car, get out of the car, and let's walk. Let's get a different perspective. And the thing is, is that there's nothing that changes tonight, even though it's going to be different. There's nothing that changes with the significance of communion just because we're doing it different. There's nothing that changes with the significance of feet washing just because we're doing it different. But what changes is our perspective. Our perspective. We're going to, we're going to see something a little differently. And, and um, so I just want us to encourage uh, and think of that, you know, a little bit... Um, I think it's good when we do things a little differently every now and then because it kind of shakes up maybe our thought processes. It shakes up how we see things a little bit. And so um, so I just kind of felt like I, I want us to prepare us a little bit for, for this evening to, to get our hearts and our minds thinking, particularly with the—I'm I'm, going to focus in probably mostly on the— um, on the feet washing, just because it's something that, I think it's one of those things that's easy to just have that mentality that you're just driving in the car, let's line up along the side walls here, let's get in line with the one brother that's with us, do the thing, do the symbolic thing of washing the feet, and then, you know, hop out, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I'll just say, let's Let's maybe have a little bit different perspective this evening on the whole idea of of feet washing, because I think I think if if we don't continue to come back to this and wonder why why is it actually that we do this, why is feet washing important, then then it can be easy to be like, ah, is that really something that we should do? Is that something that we is it really a commandment? Is it really something that, you know, we should practice? Because there's not a lot of churches or denominations that actually practice feet washing. It's, they, they do the com- communion, but um, feet washing has just kind of been here and there scattered throughout church history. So I just want us to look at this and just kind of be reminded again, and, and nothing um, that I plan to say is going to blow you away. If it does, it will probably blow me away because I'm not planning to say anything. So maybe God's going to put something in my mouth that be like, oh, whoa, where did that come from? Um, so I just want us to to look that the whole idea of feet washing is something that came back, um, that that was even referenced back in Genesis um, in chapter 18 even with Abraham like there there was an idea where when the Lord to, uh, appeared to him and the angels came um, Abraham offered to wash their feet the very next chapter if it's reference again when the angels appeared to lot he came in and he offered um, to offer to wash their feet um, in judges there's an account of a man that went out to go to retrieve his unfaithful concubine, and um, there was a there was a man that that um, during his journeys offered to take him into his home, and he also washed his feet. Um, and then there's a account in I think First Samuel or I think it's First Samuel where um, David takes Abigail in to be um, his wife. And she responds by saying, um, just let me be, let me wash the feet of your servants. So there's just this this idea that it wasn't like Jesus just introduced this new idea of washing feet. It has been very clear throughout the Old Testament that this was something that they regularly practice, this, this idea of washing the feet. So I'm gonna go take us now to the to the New Testament and um, we're just gonna park that idea a little bit on on the bench and and I just want us to to actually turn to Matthew. If you have your Bibles. I'm gonna to turn to Matthew, and this is gonna just be a little bit more along the lines of 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 teaching us how to I mean look at studying and, and looking at the different I I love looking at different accounts in the Gospels and seeing how one of the Gospels kind of tells a story and then looking and comparing and contrasting it with another story that kind of parallels it in the Gospels. So we're going to go 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 to Matthew and we're gonna look at uh chapter twenty six and think in in Verse 17, it kind of goes into the Passover. If I don't, in my ESV it has the um, the heading the Passover with the disciples. So you kind of see from there, from 17 to verse 25 is kind of setting up the Passover, and then there's the institution of the Lord's Supper starting in verse 26, and then it goes on to say in verse 30. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount Olives. Now, as we're going to see, they just said they sung a hymn and went to Mount Olives. Now, we're we're going to see that it's going to be like, you have got to be kidding me. All you're saying about a huge section of what Jesus taught was, they sang a hymn? Really? Like... What are you thinking? Jesus just said some amazing things. And all Matthew is recording he, here is that, oh, they went and sung hymn. Then they went out to the Mount of Olives. I was like, what are you thinking? You've got to be kidding me. So we're going to go now and we're going to flip to Mark's. Mark, and we're going to go chapter 14 and look at it. And again, my heading says the Passover with the disciples, verse 12. And it kind of has, it's about even the same, about the same wording about how they were setting up this with the Passover. And then it goes in, verse 22, the institution of the Lord's Supper. So they talk about that. And then verse 26 says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount Olives. And then there's a foretelling of Peter's denial. There again, it's the same thing. It's just like, okay, we're getting to a part where we know that Jesus said some amazing things. It's like, come on, you've got to be kidding me. All you're going to say about that is, oh, they just sung some hymns and then they, they left. Okay, so, and then the interesting thing about this is Matthew and Mark's account looks pretty identical. Like if you flip back and forth and you look at the wording and, and everything that they say, it's it's pretty identical, um, maybe with a few variations, but, it, but it's really um, identical. Now let's go look at Luke. So Luke, chapter 22, um, verse 7. Again, I have the heading, the Passover with the Disciples. And then that kind of looks about the same. It's starting to change a little bit more in the institution of the Lord's Supper. Um, There's a little bit more in there, in Luke's account, about the Lord's Supper and and communion. And um, telling us, um, yeah, just a little more detail about that. Um, then in there, there's this, this part about then a dispute of rose among them, and they were wondering who is going to be regarded as the greatest. So we don't have that in the first two accounts. So kind of this is like, okay, this is something that, that stuck out here to this author. And then um, he also goes in and adds this whole idea that you know, he told them First time he sent them out to take no money bag with them, and asked them if they had lacked anything, and they said no. Now he said he's going to change that, and he's going to, you know, let them take um, take some stuff with them. Um, he told them to go get two swords, and and so on. So he adds a little bit more, but and then they fin- then he finishes this section by saying, and then. He came out and went, as it was his custom, to the Mount Olives, and his disciples followed him. So, so we have each one of these saying, okay, they have this little description of communion, institution of the Lord's Supper, and then they kind of close out their time by saying, okay, now they moved on to the garden. So now we're going to go and look at John's account in chapter 13. And what's interesting here about John's account is that he makes no mention of the communion, the breaking of the bread, the wine. There's no mention of that, but it's obvious that they're here for the Lord's Supper because they're still, they they're, they're still follows some of these same ideas and and things going on and but this is where we get the feet washing passage from so john is here like saying you know what i don't care to really record the whole thing of what jesus said about communion or anything like that but what i'm putting here is the whole um encounter that they had with jesus teaching on the washing of the feet And then you go on to say that in chapter 14, they have this dialogue here where he said, not let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. And then, you know, Thomas asks questions and Philip asks questions. And you keep going through the chapter verse 15, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commands just going to pick out just random verses here in 25 these things I have spoken to you while that I was still with you but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all these things and bring your remembrance all that I have said to you and goes on to ch- keeps going on chapter 15 I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and he goes on in verse 18 of chapter 15. If the world hates you, you know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Jump down. He, he continues to, to talk. And this is such rich, rich instructions by Jesus. Um, chapter 16. Um, you know, verse, let's go 16, a little while you, were, you will see me no longer again in a little while you will see me. And some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? And on and on he goes and he says in 16 verse 25, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And then Jesus lifts up his eyes and he prays in chapter 17. And then finally we get to 18 where it seems like the rest of the Gospels pick up. And then Jesus has spoken these words. He went out with his disciples across the book of and there was a garden. So they got to the garden here. So you have a few chapters of dialogue, this, this teaching. Of, this is like Jesus' last message before he is betrayed and before he goes to the cross. But none of the other gospels record these sayings. And it's, and it's just kind of interesting as, as I studied this and looked at these different accounts you know it looked to me like the other gospels were kind of intent on on recording just kind of the details of how things happen like if I were a nine year old and I would journal my journal would look like this I woke up at nine o'clock ate breakfast, had a good day went to sleep alright just kind of saying all of the events that, that would have happened. But as you get older and more mature, um, your, journal, your journaling would grow and telling you the deeper things of what you're processing of that day. And it kind of feels to me, and I may be wrong, um, but, but in studying this, it kind of feels to me that, that John was more intent here on getting recorded those deeper things that Jesus was really trying to get at. And if you go to the very end of John, we can see that John uh, let's see here. Let just turn to it here. Um, so, John chapter 21 verse 20 this is following up when um, Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my, my lambs. And, and then Peter turned, in verse 20, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, What is that to you? And it's just kind of interesting that the way that that he identifies himself, John identifies himself, is saying that he was a disciple that leaned back against Jesus during supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And we know all the disciples were concerned about this, but I think John felt very deeply on this whole level of, of there's a betrayal going to happen who is it going to be and and Lord jesus not don 't let it be me, the one that 's going to slip up or the one that 's going to going to going to be betraying jesus and and in part of their mind, I think a lot of the disciples might have been thinking that it was going to be an accidental thing and not a thing, uh, because even when Jesus had said it 's the one that 's going to dip with me, and he gave it to Judas, they were still confused about. What Judas was going to go do because he had the money bag? Maybe he was going to go give some money to the poor. Like they didn't even think that. Oh well, Judas—he's obviously the one that's going to betray Jesus. Um, there was a lot of confusion, but I think getting at the heart of the matter in in all of this, in what John was recording in his account of the Last Supper, was that that he felt deeply. About this whole thing of betrayal. Betrayal. So let's go and look now in John chapter 15. And just just read. Sorry, not chapter 15. Chapter 13. Read this account of washing disciples' feet. Verse 1, chapter 13. And taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. So I'm gonna gonna pause there just a little bit. You know, I don't know if this was directly when Jesus rose up, put off his outer garments, if this was just following Luke's account of of the dispute that the disciples were having among themselves, who is the greatest? So was this what kind of made Jesus say, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to show these disciples who is the greatest. So then he poured water into a basin, picking up uh, in the middle of, or in verse 5, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I'm going to pause there again. I think... We're just going to kind of hang on to this this part," he said. He said, "If I do not wash your feet, you have no part of me." And I think this is what maybe made John like perk up, say, "Okay, is this somehow connected to um, this this betrayal that's just weighing heavy on me? Um, if I can't can't wash his feet, and I wonder, and I, this is just speculation, I wonder if John was kind of." Very alert, being like, okay, we're going to see this unfold here that Jesus is going to go and he's going to wash the disciples' feet and we know that he said, "The um, if I can't wash your feet, you're going to have no part of me. Does that mean the one that's going to betray him, he's not going to wash his feet? Like, will that give us a clue, possibly? That's just a little bit of, of speculation, but something to think about trying to get into the mindset of John here so we're going to pick this up in verse 10. Jesus said to him, "The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and if you are clean but you are clean, but not every one of you for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, "Not all of you are clean." And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what you have what I have done to you?" So he's going to say, okay, he said a little bit before, he said, what I'm going to do to you do not understand now, but you will understand later. And I think this is where Jesus is now trying to clarify that understanding because he asked them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just what I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread and has lifted his heel against me, I'm telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who I sent, who sent me. So it's very clear that in this that Jesus was saying I'm giving this as an example you call me teacher and master that is right but if I'm going to wash your feet as your teacher and master that it's not just reserved for the lowly list, low, lowly list of the lowest to wash feet But it's for you to go out and do likewise to others, to wash one another's feet. Jesus said, I'm giving this as an example of what you should do. That you should do just what I have done to you. And I think that sometimes when we've gone into feet washing and we line up against the walls and we kind of go through the routine and we we think of it as being a symbolic thing I think it's a little bit easy to forget the message behind this concept or idea that Jesus was saying because at the heart of the matter there were two things that Jesus was pointing out one Because you've got to be a servant. That you have to be a servant. Even if people look up to you as a rabbi, even if as you go out and preach the gospel, you are a servant. That is one heart of the message. The other heart of the message, is Jesus is saying that if you do not wash, if I cannot wash your feet, then you have no part of me. Well, what do I do with that? Because Jesus is not here anymore. He's not with me physically here, so I can't say, Jesus, I want you to wash my feet so I can have a part of you. So what does Jesus say? He said, instead, go wash one another's feet So as we wash each other's feet, it's not only symbolic of saying, I'm going to serve you, but it's also saying, I want to be part of you, being together, being part of the kingdom of heaven, washing each other's feet. You know, there's, there's, There's something that's somewhat, a little bit humiliating about having other people see your feet. Um, I don't think it's an accident that this is what Jesus used as an, uh, as an, an example. Um, I remember one time I was traveling in Asia and I forget exactly where I was, was at. I, it might have been Nepal or in Vietnam and it's tradition everywhere there to take your shoes off before you enter a building. And I just remember that I was taking my shoes off and one person came up to me that was coming out of the house and looked at my feet and said, oh, in broken English, said, your, your feet are so beautiful. Like, okay, that's a new one. Never, never got complimented on my feet before. But as I looked around then, at all the other feet, they were very, they were very um, coarse, tattered, dirty. Just because it was the environment that they lived in. It was they only wore sandals, flip flops all the time. And here I'm this American that always puts shoes on my feet, and so I'm able to keep them in in good shape and in good condition. And so I think, um, you know us as Americans are probably one of the only cultures and maybe European cultures as well that, that are kind of left out of fully understanding the significance of feet washing because most of the world still realizes that they actually need to wash their feet and um, there's, there's more of a significance there. But it doesn't change the fact that I think there's something that's still a little bit that brings us to humility when we are washing each other's washing, washing each other's feet. So here is the challenge. I, I don't know if any of this is, is making sense and so I want to bring it together in a way that will make sense. So so when we have our tables lined up and we're feasting, we're gonna have basins set up probably for for the ladies in the back by the dividers and then maybe along the wall we'll have, you know, one or two basins along the wall or, or, or wherever. So throughout the course of the evening if you feel prompted to or just go do it or or whatever it's going to be completely up to you to just go tap somebody maybe you're sitting over here and say you know what you know Chris is sitting over here come I want to wash your feet. Could be right in the middle of supper it could be at the end of supper any time during supper And, but at any point throughout the evening, if you want to just go tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, I want to go wash your feet, do it, okay, do it. And it's, might be that not everybody's going to have their feet washed tonight, that's okay, it's not, it's not a high pressure situation, I don't want to feel like, oh, you walked away, and you're like, well, nobody washed my feet, well, that probably meant that you didn't go and tap somebody on the shoulder your feet didn't get washed so it's not a high pressure situation I realize that maybe it's not going to work for everybody but I think what I what I what we want to do is just see let's let's walk through this let's get out of the car let's see what kind of significance is there how it changes our perspective um, so I just want to clearly say that that anytime throughout the evening Even if you're in the middle of supper, just go interrupt that person and say, hey, it's just going to take five minutes. Go grab that person. Go wash their feet and come back. But that's not the only thing that I'm going to challenge us with. So that person that you wash the feet with, here's what I want you to do. is from now, tonight, to the next time that we have communion. Sometime in that time range. I want you to Be creative, but figure out a way that you can interact with that person. Maybe it's meeting them for coffee. Maybe it's having their family over for a meal. Or maybe it's saying, hey, is there something that I could assist you with, help you out with um, at your house or your home? Maybe being a servant or maybe being there. Just whatever it may be. I just really think that it would do us some good to actually think about, okay, if we're going to go wash this person's feet, that also means that we're kind of committed then from now to next communion to find some way to interact with this individual that we wash their feet, to find some way to interact with them that could bless them, that could serve them, that could encourage them, whatever it may be. Is Is that clear? Does that make sense? Um, because I, Jesus said he's just using this as an example so that you can go out and do this likewise. And and it's not that we're going to, maybe if we like this format so well, maybe we'll do it again or do it once a year. It's not about trying to find the right format. It's just, again, it, it's just gives us a cause to stop, and reflect and be like, okay, what was Jesus talking about when he said, let's take of communion and, and remember him? What was Jesus talking, what was his main point when he was saying, let's wash the feet? Because the last thing I want our church to do is start filing through those lines, whether it's coming up for communion or whether it's going and lining up on, and washing the feet and completely missing the point of what, it, of, of what we're actually supposed to be getting through that, through that message. And and so part of it is, is going to be each one of us individually saying, okay, how can I take this and obey Scripture to the best of my understanding and the best of the way that I know how? Um, so again, if you've, you've kind of missed it or you're just tuning in now to what I'm saying, um, when you come in tonight, we're going to have our table set up, your shoes are going to be left at the door that way it's going to be easier for somebody to just tap you on the shoulder anytime throughout the evening and say hey i want going to go wash your feet and then you can go back and do your thing eat with your family fellowship with each other and then be thinking of ways to be creative and, and maybe it's just saying you know what I'm going to call that person sometime throughout the week and say hey how's your week going how, how are you doing it, it, it could be endless options. That's going to be up to you to figure out a way. But let's serve each other. Let's encourage each other. It could be saying, hey, you know what? Let's our two families go together. Let's be in process of this, and let's go bless our neighbor. Let's go bless them. Like, like, be very creative, but let's be intentional because Jesus said, I've given this as an example Go and wash one another's feet. Be part of each other. Be part of me. Be part of the kingdom. Because whoever receives me, I will receive. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to prepare for this evening, for communion time, for washing each other's feet. To to be able to take a, a step back and look again just at the, the meaning behind remembering the the breaking of the bread and drinking of the wine and how it represents your body how it represents your blood that also thrown in there is just this 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 plea from you to to serve one another to to be part of of each other to to um to have this idea of of forgiveness and and gratitude and, and servanthood towards each other and that we would find a way to 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 bless each other, to serve one another as we go throughout um, the coming weeks and months. You would teach us to be intentional. We just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.